Ahoy, hoy, Noiros! Welcome to episode ninety nine zero. We're we're getting there. We're we're trucking, as uh, the Grateful Dead say. I know now. <laughs> <laughs> where the sidewalk ends. We're we're talking it. We're living it. What a hell of a ride! This sucker was released July seventh, nineteen fifty, from Twentieth Century Fox. So Disney's where the sidewalk ends. No one's tired <laughs> of that bit yet, right? Uh, directed by Otto Preminger, back again after Angel Face. And then uh, we got a story by Victor Trivas, Frank P. Rosenberg, and Robert E. Kent from a screenplay by Ben Heck and based on the 1948 novel Night Cry, Boo Hoo Dan by William L. Stewart. Yeah, I don't know if I like that title. <laughs> it was almost the title of the movie. We, we, I know. we definitely present. I guess someone on set had some chalk and saved the whole thing. But yeah, God bless them. Before we start, I couldn't remember. Have you seen this before? Have you not seen this before? Well, Inquisitive Dan, Gentleman Joey here to say both welcome to the show. And no, I had not seen this one. Oh, OK, I got yeah. this was what I mean. I've always heard of it. Yeah, it was on the list. But I'm like, you know, one day we'll have a podcast and. I was pushing for this one, so I, 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 but was, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember if you did I feel not. like this one was on a, a list of suggestions from you pretty much the whole time. So yeah. here we are. Mm-hmm. You got to put a nice wide berth between Laura and this film, you know? Okay, I think that's Just so fair. you forget, because I pretty much had like... You know, I watched uh, the Noir Alley intros to this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Eddie Muller was really like... He, he felt like the characters, you know, Dana Andrews and Gene Tierney's characters were so similar to what they played in Laura. I don't know if I agree with that, but I haven't seen Laura since we did that episode. So mm-hmm. maybe, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't agree with that. As, as a huge fan of Laura, I, I don't really agree with that. Right, yeah. It's like... It's particularly with Dana thing. Andrews. Particularly Dana Andrews, I don't, Absolutely. I don't agree. Because there is still that same sprinkle of Gene Tierney where she's still barely in the thing for even though she's mm-hmm. a headliner. Yeah. You know it when you're like, oh, my Gene Tierney meter is barely full. Yeah, it's, it's not up to, to, to where you want it to be. Um, you got to go to heaven for such a thing, Dan. Well, there is on, I have the, uh, I have the Twilight Time Blu-ray of it, and there is an auto commentary from Eddie Muller on it, um, which I didn't really listen to, but I should probably do that at some point. I wonder if he would express the same sentiment, Dan. Yeah, I mean, this was from, when did this come out? This came out in, uh, I'm not seeing it. It probably wasn't that long ago. Probably um, the 2000s, we can at least guess that much, right? Yeah. The 2010s. Yeah, it doesn't say. I would say probably in the 2010s arena. I'm going to say um, 2014 if I was a, a guessing man. Okay, I think that's probably about right. But anyway, we digress. We digress. We love to digress. That's the name that's of the true. game here. Um, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, let's just get right to it. There's a, that great opening sequence, like we were saying, with the title in chalk on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. Great handwriting on that, too. You know, you can go either way with those chalk writings, but 20th Century Fox's design department, they're not going to let that slip by. And then we did, cut to the city. Disney's. I was going to say, did, did it make you think of... Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing my Disney joke. Of, of Naked Gun. When he, when he walks out the, side, the, the sidewalk, he's like, he's like, where the hell am I? It, it didn't, but it should have. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll, we'll put a survey out there, baby. We'll see who, who it is. Okay. Doing. See, I'm, I'm, frankly, I'm surprised. Frank, Frank, <laughs> Frank Dribbenly, I'm surprised. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sorry. That's all I could do is apologize for such an egregious error. It's okay. I know, I know you're going to one of those all night uh, wicker places later. So <laughs> you, you can uh, you can redeem yourself then. Well, that's definitely the type of comedy you get with this movie. 
Uh, you see two two knuckleheads, two cut em ups. Uh, New York detectives Mark Dixon and Paul Klein. This is our Dana Andrews and Bert Freed as Detective Paul Klein. They're in their car. They're returning to the 16th precinct, and the team they're being introduced to their new commander. His name is Lieutenant Thomas. Uh, just Lieutenant Thomas. I don't believe I even have a, another name. So. Mm-hmm. That's how no nonsense he is, Dan. Yes, very <laughs> um, no nonsense, Carl Malden. Exactly, does a great job. You know, compliments all around. Honestly, great we'll, actor. I mean, we'll this, get... is, this is pre, you know, on the waterfront and One Eye Jacks and yeah, no, all all the good stuff. There's a lot of good pre in this, you know. Even though there's yeah. also a lot of good uh, during <laughs> time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and then also Dixon, he gets called aside by Inspector Foley, who just rips into him. He's saying, hey, Dixon, you're too rough. You're you're going nowhere. What what do you want out of police work, sir? So I'm going to reduce your rank. And if any other complaints come in, you're back to the beat. You're going to be a beat cop. Apparently, he likes to rough up a lot of hoodlums or so-called hoodlums, as he calls them. Little little baby face Dana Andrews, really, Dan. No, he's a rough, he's a rough. I would say his face is a little rough in this one. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, this is a good, good chunk of years after Laura and he's coming to play. He's very believable. Mm. So later that evening, the boys, they check in with their informant, Willie Bender, which is a great informant name. Yes. There's a lot of great names and I'm sure we know the one we're going to be pointing out in a little bit. Mm. (laughs) Otherwise, what are we doing here? So yeah, Willie Bender, they've been sending him to check up on this uh, bad guy, this gangster, Tommy Scalisi. Right now he's running a private craps game in a hotel, I believe. A floating craps game. Fl- sure, exactly. <laughs> they, they could be anywhere, you know? Could be you anywhere, yeah. Follow this them one's on Instagram to find out where it's at. Look for that hashtag. Yes, this one's at a hotel. So Willie heads in, and immediately you find out what kind of informant he is. He, he just totally tells Scalisi, like, hey, these guys are after you. They want information. You tell me what to tell them. I'm on your side. They're just holding parole over me. But, you know, I'm I'm still a bad guy at heart. At the craps table, meanwhile, out of towner, Dick Morrison, he's killing it. His his dice are, are very lucky. And he was brought in by Ken Payne and Morgan Taylor, who's a model. And, of course, Gene Tierney. We, we're going to notice her right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And Dick Morrison, he wins 19 grand and he, you know, he's a responsible gambler. He's like, you know what? I'm going out on the high note. I did great. I'm out of here. Good night, everybody. You guys love this kind of thing. You want me to take your money, right? And um, they're like, no, Scalise goes to pain. He's like, what the fuck is going on? You better fix this. Like you were supposed to bring me in, you know, a heavy sucker. Yeah, exactly. He's like, Morgan, come help us out. And she's like, I want nothing to do with this. And then pain fucking hits her. So yeah we're doing that this time again our our double feature of battered women we double slap double feature unfortunately yeah Yeah, because she she gets like it's like back and forth like on her face this is 1950s slapping it's yeah it's gonna be the good stuff it's rough yeah it's rough stuff exactly but we're we're playing playing rough dice aren't we dan that's what happens when you roll them so she's like yeah fuck that i'm out of here I don't even like you, dude, for reasons we'll get into later. And so, you know, there, there's a bit of a brawl with with Dick Morrison and Payne. And Morrison gets knocked out and seems like we're leaving it at that. He got what was coming to him. Mm. So the detectives get called over to this hotel, though, where this game had happened. And then we learned that Dick Morrison was actually fucking stabbed to death. 
So not good. Dixon goes to confront Scalisi, and we learned that these two guys, they have a past uh, where Scalisi got off, basically, and Dixon doesn't like that. Nope. And he'll do whatever it takes to get this guy. He's super pissed that this guy is still on the streets. You know, he's got this informant after him. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Scalisi tells him that Morrison was losing a ton of money, which we know wasn't true, and that he started the fight with Payne because he was sweet on Morgan. So now, of course, our next stop, we got to find Payne and question him. And Scalisi even has a convenient address handy for where to find him. Mm-hmm. Very helpful, that guy. And yeah, I like him- how he, pl- he plays it off. Like, he's like, oh, and this, there was some girl, Morgan. Like, I don't even know her name. Like, he's just like totally, totally spinning this yarn. And yep. Dixon definitely sees through it. And, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, I, I think he, A, doesn't, he sees through it because he wants to see through it because he just can't stand Scalisi and he wants right. to, to pin it on him. He but also, like, like, this guy's guilty. Yeah, but he also, I feel like it's pretty obvious. No, 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 but, yeah. Yeah, but but the lieutenant's like, no, let's hear him out. Like, I, yeah, like, we're, uh, not, we're not to believe new him. new guy, Lieutenant Thomas, is blowing it. Yeah. No good. So he finds him, though, and he is drunk and he's also talking. Mm-hmm. And some of what Scalisi said is confirmed, but Payne also says that, you know, Morrison was up. He, he was 19 grand in the in in the blue red i don't remember what the colors are what's good <laughs> black i think black in the black just black yeah. just total black yeah yeah because okay. in the in the reds in the red is red is, is bad not, is not good red yeah, is so, dead yeah yeah i don't know black was just like all right you just got out of the red and maybe there's like a better color to aspire for but yeah I don't, I don't think so we just see the world in black and red don't we apparently i guess i had a different filter on for this movie <laughs> <laughs> So Dixon's like, oh, by the way, Morrison's dead. And why don't you come in for questioning? And Payne doesn't like that. It makes him pretty mad. So he goes after Dixon, which leads to a struggle. And then Payne ends up getting a conk on the head and he's fucking dead. More bodies popping up. And this is where you really see where this movie's going. You get a great scene of dread as that just happens. A brilliant piece of score from Cyril Mockridge. Uh, and you know, Dana Andrews just killing it. I'm just like, oh god, what am I gonna do? You know, he's like, well, obviously, I'm gonna <laughs> cover that up. Klein calls in, he's like, oh, did uh, did you find pain? And he's like, no, he wasn't, he wasn't here. I just missed him. Uh, anyways, I gotta go. He hangs up with them, and Dixon gets to work immediately with covering up this accidental crime scene that he's created for himself. Mm-hmm. And he puts stuff's pain in the closet, you know, where you put your skeletons, Dan. Yeah, well, I, I think. This is, I mean, this right here, it, obviously, this is the main, like, kind of crux of, of the movie of this happening. But uh, I, I just love this as as a, a, a plot, like, in yes. general, like, just the idea of this is so it's so great, because like, he's such a rough guy. And he's so like, as we'll, we'll find out, he tries to like, really walk a straight and narrow as far as he just has it out for like anybody that's a bad guy. And we find out later why that is. Yes. But he becomes one himself. And, and it's about like redemption for him in the end. And again, we'll get to that too. But yeah, I, I just want to say like, yes, this is, I think at this point it's like, all right, you're in it now. You're like, wow. Like, you know, he's a cop, but he also has to deal with like he, him, com- him, you know, committing a crime and now having to cover it up and have to like be like fending off all these different sides. Yeah. Like an investigation really on top yes. of like, you know, staying out of the investigation. Right. So it's very interesting. Cause up until this point, you know, you're like, Oh, this is, a great looking movie everyone's doing a great job the dialogue's a lot of fun but you know other than that it's pretty by the numbers you know yeah. that's all well and good and then this is where you get your something special and you're like all right now we're in for something here yep 
Uh, so Dixon, he disguises himself in Payne's clothes, puts a Band-Aid on him, the same Band-Aid that uh, Payne had, and he leaves the building unaware that he was, he's been noticed by Payne's nosy neighbor. Mm-hmm. So Just Dixon... window. Yeah. Yes. Maybe she's waiting for something there. Keeps her busy. She likes to listen to the her uh, records and the radio to keep her company while That's she's right. dinner. She's a rocker. She's a ripper. Yeah. Uh, Dixon returns to this awesome apartment of Payne's and his partner Klein is already in there and he's checking closets. Better watch out. Um, I love this scene. <laughs> uh, Dixon, he says that he was looking for Payne elsewhere and he starts to steer his partner away from the closet where he's, uh, Payne's body is. Nope, like, no one's in here. Yeah, oh, looks like we're all good. Let's go talk to that neighbor. And now Dixon knows that he was actually seen and he was mistaken for pain. And uh, later that night, he, Dixon, he's like, all right, let me come back and finally deal with this body for real this time. And once again, he's got to hide. Something's going wrong. But he's got to hide under the stairway because a, a mysterious man, possibly with a very great name, comes and he starts knocking on Payne's door saying crazy things like, what the fuck? Where are you? I'm going to get you. I don't like you. He's real pissed about it. Mm-hmm. He's one, one of the many taxi drivers that appear in this movie. A couple it's different def- taxi drivers. The film of cops and cab drivers. That's for sure. Yep. So he goes and finally Dixon's able to get rid of this corpse and Payne meets up with Klein at the, the station. Yeah. He's, so he goes back, meets up with his partner Klein up at the station and then uh, Lieutenant Thomas is there and he's like, oh, they found Payne's bag at the train station, which is where he left his stuff as he got in the cab. So he's like, I, he probably left town. So we're good there. Yeah, there's that whole setup where he like he's dressed as him and then he has the cabbie take him to the airport and, you know, tries to play off like he's going to Pittsburgh and all this other stuff. He has the luggage there. He's trying to like have like a criminal slash cop mind at, all at once. Like he's trying to like. Yeah do this whole d- diversion to, to throw off the scent, uh, which is, it's pretty wild. And I will give another compliment to Dana Andrews. Like he doesn't, he really looks so uncomfortable in those like strangers clothes. Like it's such a nice oh, yeah. touch. And, and if you notice, like as, as, as we'll go along in some of the plot, it's something that I really key on. And if you go back and watch it, just watch his face throughout, especially when he's after the, he commits this crime. And when he's around all the other cops, like in the police station and other places, like, his 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 face is great because you 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 sense that like he obviously knows that it's him and he's hearing them talk about it and he's and he's like looking pretty darn guilty but oh yeah no really there's a one scene in particular yeah. coming up that I was going to point out where that happens yeah. it's it's really cool yeah so they're like all right we got to go find Morgan now Morgan Taylor so Dixon and Klein they go to look for her and they're led to they find out she's at work which is at the modeling agency and she's putting on makeup on her face bruise. So she's called in to talk to the boys and we find out that she was married to Payne. And as Klein is questioning her, this is especially like you were just saying, like you see Dixon on the left, he's like starting to like light a cigarette and stuff. And he's very nervous. Like, yeah, just that juxtaposition is so awesome. Like, and, mm-hmm. yeah, just hard not to notice and, and appreciate. Right. Cause us as the audience, obviously we know, and, and that it makes it that much more interesting because you know, we're following along with him and and we know and he knows but no one else knows so it's got to be pretty damn yeah, good yeah. if i'm taking my eyes off of gene tierney dude yeah yeah that's true that's that's some good auto preminger there that that fucking yeah. monster did a good job as usual. you got you got preminger <laughs> i'm sure that's what he would say the original punk right dan yes exactly preminger would direct with trucker hats i don't want to spoil the fun facts but we all knew this yeah yeah uh <laughs> 
<laughs> so she says like, yeah, I met up with my husband just to, you know, beat up. I didn't know that I was supposed to be used as bait to get Morrison to gamble. And um, from her description of the evening, Dixon realizes that her dad was the man at Payne's door knocking that night. And so he invites her, Dixon invites Morgan out to, um, after she finishes work and she agrees, but she's got to stop at her house first. So they go to her place and this is where uh, she introduces him to her father with the greatest name in history, Dan, Jiggs Taylor. (laughs) Doesn't seem to be a nickname or anything. This guy's name is just Jiggs Taylor. He's a cabbie. And uh, he actually knows Dixon crazily enough because uh, he was involved with some incident in his cab that was part of Dixon's case back in the day. And there was gunfire <laughs> involved. It's, it's quite a story. Yeah. But he yeah. loves this guy, even though Dixon's like, yeah, yeah, I think I remember you. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, whatever. <laughs> they didn't give me your name at the time. Otherwise, you and me would be living the situation we're living now. Yeah. He shows him citation he got from the city and everything. He's very proud. Yeah. Very proud of it. Yeah. Morgan and Dixon, they go out to eat at Martha's, which is a restaurant owned by a woman that Dixon helped out from her abusive husband. And Mm -hmm. Martha's awesome. This is Ruth Donnelly. She's got all the best lines and her and Dixon just have this awesome dynamic. Great banter. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like really shitty to each other, but they clearly love each other. It's it's awesome. You know, I like places like this that specialize in good food instead of head weights. It's the worst food in town. But don't worry, they usually serve a stomach pump with a dessert. Who invited you to come to my restaurant, Mr. Detective? Not me. Martha's the head of a ring of burglars. My presence makes her nervous. Yeah, last night we got a whole basket full of diamonds. You want to see? Bring us two of your dangerous dinners, Martha. Do you know how much I've been offered to poison this man? Ten dollars. That's right, I'm holding out for 15. Two dinners. You want wine? Bring a small bottle. (laughs) Same old cheapskate. Clearly how could you not be taken by that? Like Jean Tierney is. And, you know, they're starting to get close as they get to know each other. And she reveals that pain and her, they were actually separated. This was the first time that they had seen each other in months that night. And yeah, so like they're, they keep getting closer. And then the meal gets interrupted when Dixon receives a call from uh, Lieutenant Thomas uh, reporting that Payne's body has been discovered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then he starts really sweating it. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, Lieutenant Thomas reveals that Payne actually had a metal plate in his head from a war wound. So when he fell on the floor, that's what killed him was that it was just an accident. You know, he would have been fine. But, you know, you get why this guy was nervous. He just got fucking yelled at by his boss about being too rough. And then he kills a guy. He thinks, you know, like, yep. And he thinks he's caught. It's also the husband of the girl that he's sort of getting into right now. So it's like this whole lot of layers web. Yeah. Got to stay out of those webs. Yeah. That's something they don't teach you soon enough. So, yeah, uh, he's like, cool. That's a good, that's good news, but I'm still going to frame Scalisi with this, <laughs> uh, with both of these guys' deaths, because this guy has got to go and, you know, fuck him. He's, he's responsible for at least one of these deaths, you know, like, yeah. he might can as well take, get him. He yeah. can get the other one too. And this guy, you know, he beats his wife. He's not that great. So, whatever. Honestly, what is there to be guilty about, Dan, when you really think about it? Yeah. But that's another discussion. <laughs> Morgan and Jigs show up. Boy, I love typing Jigs this whole time. There's a lot. There's as much Jigs as I could get out of this. They show up. Jigs talks to Thomas, and he says, um, "When he showed up that night to Lieutenant Thomas, by the way, it's, don't want to be too casual with it. He sh- he said he showed up that night to pound on the door to see Payne. 
and he's you know saying like ah this guy you know i would have went for, i would have taken him down like i hated him like that guy sucks and not a good thing to say to a cop who's questioning you you know possibly about a murder and right. lieutenant thomas is like jinx looks good for this thing let's put him up for it and dixon you know he's like oh boy whoa whoa like wrong guy don't do it this is this is i'm into this girl that's her dad yeah this isn't gonna look good but you know, he tries to do everything he can to convince Lieutenant Thomas otherwise, including dressing Dixon in Payne's clothes. And you're like, oh, that's going to lead to something. Right. But it's yeah. like, no, anyone could have been in his clothes. You know, they even had the Band-Aid on him and everything. But then and the they woman, bring, the they woman, bring the neighbor noticed. in. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, he didn't wave to me, though. He always waved to me. You know, even though this guy beats women, he waves to his neighbors. So, yeah, isn't that interesting? Something's just yeah, Something's afoot. <laughs> so Jigs. I'm sorry, buddy, but you're getting arrested for this one. And <laughs> so Dixon is like, well, I instantly I got to go after Scalise on this one. And his partner Klein tries to stop him. He's like, it's not worth your career over some new fucking woman. What are you doing? And they, they break up. He's like, well, I don't need anything to do with you. All right, partnership done. I'm going to do this. So Dixon, he sets out to connect Scalise to this case. And yet. When he gets there, he gets beaten up by these uh, all of his thugs. It's a great fight scene, of course. The lads are giving a shout out to old friend Neville Neville Brand. Uh, yes, you, you don't not notice him. I don't yep. know why he's uncredited in this one because he's great and menacing. Um, great, great tough guy in this. Yeah, and then they hear like the cops are there, or whatever, and they escape through the sauna, which was so crazy. Like, yeah, some back way and like climbing. It was it was very wild. Yeah. Um, very cool. You don't see that ever. <laughs> Something new. And now we're in Morgan's lights out apartment, which is an, another great shadowy shot. Preminger, he's in king of shadows, knows what he's doing. And Dixon shows up and he is looking rough. He clearly just was in a fight. And Morgan got fired from her job because of all the publicity surrounding this arrest of Jigs. And so Dixon's like, we got to get a lawyer. Can you afford it? And she's like, no, pain basically robbed me of all my money so i can't do anything he's like don't worry i'll figure it out so that night dixon goes to klein and he's like hey buddy all good sorry about that Uh, that money i need to borrow money yeah for a lawyer for that woman you don't like and he's like you know we'll figure it out so he's like yeah i need to get a reputable lawyer that's going to cost three hundred dollars and his partner has to get it from his wife shirley which Mm. is no good and she's like uh you guys said you were done and you know, that all was these that. names yeah, yeah. you're like if you ever saw him again you beat the shit out of him and he's like honey you wouldn't understand it's a dude thing like it, it's gonna be fine she's like all right and so she gives him some jewelry to pawn for the money and dixon's able to get the lawyer and you know that turned out to be a good move because morgan is totally taken with this sweetness and they go to celebrate at martha's as you do the greatest place ever but dixon he gets called back into the 16th and inspector foley he's brought in neville neville brand I always want to say Neville Uh, Mm -hmm. and he's pissed, you know, like he was in the beginning of the movie. He's like, ah, Dixon, you're rough and tumbling again. Like I told you not to do. How could you when you went to go question Scalise and uh, you're on leave? You know, you're you're done. Dixon. Take a vacation. Yeah. Cool off. Well, and then fully, he, of course, he would never admit it. But then he's like, you know, Dixon's actually on to something. So he's like, goes to Lieutenant Thomas and he's like, go question Neville Brand and do it the Dixon way. So rough him up. <laughs> yeah. Dixon goes to meet up with Morgan and she reveals that, oh, that lawyer that we met up with, he's not going to take this case after all. And Dixon's like, don't worry. I myself know that Jigs didn't kill Payne. 
And then, you know, it leads to a very emotional moment. She's like, how could you know? How do you know anything? What this is like? And she's like, hey, I had a dad. He was a criminal and he was really shitty and it made me feel awful. And that's why I became a cop, you know? Yeah. Because so, it followed him everywhere. Like he was known as that guy's son, you know? Exactly. And, and he wanted it to. still will even, yeah. you know, to come. Yeah. But he's like, I know a thing about bad dads and Jigs rules. You know, he ain't no bad dad. So she's, she feels okay by this and they kiss. Dixon takes off to go put this thing to bed. So he picks up old that informant Willie. Remember Willie, Dan? Mm-hmm. And uh, he makes him meet up with Scalisi. And so Willie calls him at a private phone booth. You know, so Dixon can't hear in on this. But he's like, you know, can see him like writing stuff. So it looks good. And Scalisi. Well, basically, like, we should hang on. I just want to say uh, the reason that he does this is because he basically tries to like almost like almost blackmail uh him into saying like, look, I'm going to help you with your parole if you do this for me. So yeah. like, you know, he, he's, he's kind of like, again, he's like doing some shady cop work saying like, you're using it for his, per- basically his personal gain saying like, look, I'm going to get, I'm going to get you hooked up if you hook me up and, and get me. In, yeah, in he's not a cop at this point. So, I mean, right. no matter what he's doing with this informant is off the book. So it's, it's up to no good. Well, he's on a vacation, quote unquote. So yeah. If you're filing paperwork on vacation, Dan, there's going to be some questions. Yeah. But yeah, Scalisi, he's fine with this. He's like, yeah, cool. Let's hang out, put together the meet. It's got to be on my terms, though. And before this meeting, Dixon writes himself a nice note to Foley in case he dies, which he totally expects to. And he confesses to the whole thing, to the accidental death, you know, putting the bodies in the closet and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's just like, I know I'm a bad person. I hope this can redeem me. Right. Good luck, everybody. You got this. I love y'all. He goes and kisses a sleeping Morgan. And he's off and he to basically, face the Reaper. Yeah, and he, and he does this, too, because it's like he recognizes that by essentially martyring himself and offering himself up to be killed by Scalise will basically, you know, exonerate her father and imprison Scalise in the process as well. So it's like he's trying to really, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Essentially. Well, three birds because he also, three, you know, yeah. will find forgiveness ultimately right. too, you know, for, exactly. you know, but it's pretty wild. Of- yeah, it's oh, pretty yeah. wild that like out of this entire web that he's gotten himself into, um, that's like his out that he comes up with to, to, to get out of this. Let's hope it worked. Yeah, we'll see. He gets taken to Scalise's underground hideout and the henchmen, they take his gun, they frisk him down. And he's brought in to see the final boss, of course, Galisi. Can we also and, talk about that really cool car elevator? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? Because he like drives into it facing the camera, and then it, and then the you're watching them in the back of the car as, as it goes up the the elevator, uh, and they got that really cool staircase that they like walk up into. It's got like the kind of like I don't want to call it a rail, but it's got like that kind of like well, like a rail. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> a rail. It's like it's like concrete. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, 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 that whole sequence is really cool. Yeah. And Scalisi, he thinks that this whole thing is kind of weird how it's going down. You know, he probably shouldn't kill this guy. So he's just like, let's just beat him up instead. Yeah. But Dixon attacks and he gets shot in the arm. And Scalisi's like, whoa, chill out. Like, we, we can't kill this guy. So you better patch him up. That's just what he wants. He yeah, exactly. Like, we're not going to play into this. I'm Scalisi. I'm a little smarter than all this nonsense. I lead all those floating crap games. I, exactly. I know. Time to go float somewhere else, boys. 
Yeah. Um, and he's like, hey, and also let me talk shit on this guy's dad a little bit too. Yeah, that's right. I'm a criminal. I know stuff. He set up his dad or his dad set, set him up. Like right. his dad, uh, like, you know, helped him out to kind of it's become all a, you know, a gangster. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like uh, that. Now you get even more of why, you know, Dana Andrews can't stand this guy. He seems so nice otherwise. Tommy Scalisi, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they get a call, though, that Steve has confessed to murdering Morrison. Neville Brand, that was his name, Steve. So they're like, oh, shit, we better get out of here. So they try to get out of there. But then Dixon, he cuts the building's power as they're in that elevator. So mm-hmm. they just get trapped. And then Lieutenant Thomas arrives. They get arrested. And then now we're back at headquarters. And then uh, Foley's there. And he's like, ah, Dixon, what a great job. I knew you could do it the whole time. And uh, of course you got your job back and here's your letter. I didn't even bother fucking opening it. What a good time to end here. That could be one happy ending, but Dixon. We ever after Gene Cherry's right there. Everything's great. Let's get out of here. Yep. Jigs is free. We're good. But Dixon, he he just can't help himself. He he still feels guilt over what he did, you know, with the cover up and everything. And Morgan's there who makes him want to be a better person. And he's like, why don't you go ahead and, and read that letter, buddy? So he does. And then he's like, well, I read the letter. You're under arrest. <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously. And she's like, whoa, what happened? What is this letter? And Morgan says, and then, you know, like, let her read the letter. And then she's like, all right, well, I'm not going to arrest you in my heart. I'll wait for you, of course. Like, you won't get the gas chamber. You'll be fine. I'll see you soon. Don't believe you. That's exactly. What she says. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, why not? So that'll be good enough. And the end. The end. Yes. <laughs> I would give this, uh, 8.2 sidewalk chalks. Wow. Very high. Yeah. I, I had a feeling you'd really like this one. I, it's a I sure thing. Yeah. It has a lot of really great stuff in it. Um, I mean, everything from the cast to the plot to just the pacing, you know, everything kind of tying together and, and like the kind of more existential nature of it with, you know, with him, like, like we talked about, it's just, there's just so much the to this. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and, and I, and I knew that, my guess would be that you would like this more than Laura. I know that's not necessarily a tall task, but I don't know if I, I like it more than Laura. I like it more as a film noir more than Laura. Okay. Absolutely. Um, okay. I mean, I like Laura. I mean, I, yeah. I, I hope the Laura episode reflects that. I like Laura. I just, yeah. you know, I'm also just wanted to semi question it, but I can play along. I mean, we did it on the show and everything, but I think yeah. it's definitely equal of Laura, you know, like mm-hmm. I think it fires on the same caliber, you know, whereas like an angel face, didn't necessarily deliver as strongly as as these ones did but mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i i agree i i i love this one yeah this is this is one that like i i was really glad that we finally did and it was great to revisit it because it had been a while since i watched it but i remember when i first watched it and i was just like wow this is really great like this definitely like has all the elements uh that that, that i want yeah and i you know i was like sort of like oh, i don't know if i'm in the mood to be like doing the movie or whatever when i watched it you know because sometimes you got to amp yourself up for these things, you know, these older ones. Mm-hmm. You're watching new Beavis and Butthead episodes, and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, let's put on 1950. But yeah. uh, but this one was just good to go right off the bat. And yeah. Only a woman's heart could reach out for such a man, Dan. I forgot to say the tagline before, sorry. It's okay. It's a, it, the only important thing <laughs> is that you there. get it in there, yeah. Exactly. There it is. You ready to get into some fun facts? Tell us about Night Cry, Dan. <laughs> I will. I will get to that. So first... I will say that this is the last in a series of films that Otto Preminger made as a director for hire for 20th Century Fox in the 1940s up to 1950. Um, and that Can't includes, get out of there. Yeah, includes Laura 
and then Fallen Angel in 1945 and Whirlpool in 1950. Um, I'm sure we're not going to do either one of those, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, um, and, and this crew, like, I mean, even like separate, like Dana Andrews and Gene Tierney, like they worked with Otto Preminger like quite a bit after Laura, correct? I mean, that was a successful he, formula that they did. Yeah. Um, and even in in this capacity, I mean, this movie had the same uh, even cinematographer as Laura. So right. I mean, yeah, they, they, every everything was was you know. We're getting the band broke. back together. Yeah. This this was actually the only feature film appearance for fashion and costume designer Ola Cassini, who was married to Gene Tierney at the time. Oh. Um, they would actually divorce two years later after the film was released. Uh, they reportedly, look so happy too, Dave. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that one scene he got. Um, reportedly, Cassini talked director Otto Preminger into giving him the part. Uh, I mean, you know, I feel like he's probably, and not as far as acting goes, but I mean, he can play the part of, you know, doing fashion and costume related stuff because that's what he does he went pretty method on that one yeah exactly tony scalise uh, who's played by gary merrill uh was supposed to be a drug addict uh but the production code prohibited any use of mention of narcotics yeah that's uh, something it, we should have mentioned is you see him often sniffing a little little something yeah. so that was uh it, it's technically i think that's supposed to be like a nose spray but i yeah. think that's like an actual like allusion to that so i think they were like that was like their way of, of skirting the code was to make it look more like, I think it's like, it's a nod to that, but like yeah. you're not showing it. You know what I, I think mean? I like, saw something too, like about that particular drug was still like prescription at that point too. Yes. So that a was able to like help it right through. But that was definitely like allusion to the, you know, to the, you know, original plot. Um, Makes sense after the fact. Yes, it does. Yes, for sure. But I didn't really catch that watching it for sure. Oh, really? Um, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, like I caught I him. It was like, oh, maybe he's got like a nose problem. It didn't really seem like, all right, guy. You know, like he's really yeah, like puffed yeah. up on something, you know, he's not like, partying. Yeah. Just seems like he's taking care of himself. I mean, you know, he's in the spa. He's getting massages. Yeah, he does. Does take good care of himself, or at least he looks like it. Yeah. So, yeah. So getting to Night Cry, uh, the story was originally dramatized on radio uh, in January of 1949 for the series Suspense, which I know we've probably talked about a bunch of times on here it comes um, up quite a bit you yeah. know it, I, to the point where i maybe we'll have to review one of those as like a bonus episode or something yeah if we ever have I, the I patience know. to listen to one of these i guess maybe at work we could put it on the background yeah i i thought about that because yeah i mean a lot a lot of times and we'll have to go back a lot of the movies i think they include them uh i think yeah. some of the oh, archives yeah. include the audio for this. keto does a lot too i've noticed yeah. and even like you know you can go to internet archive like all this stuff's available for free like i saw on the bottom of the wikipedia entry for this they had the lux radio theater broadcast from 51 which had cool. dana and dana andrews in it and and baxter actually oh wow yeah i was gonna get i was gonna get to that one uh I but stole it yeah, you stole it from me. But to close this one up uh, with suspense, uh, it was under the, the title Night Cry, the original title, and actually started Ray Moland uh, in, in the Dana Andrews role, which is interesting. Nothing to cry about there. Yeah. Not tonight, at least. <laughs> nope. That's that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I had. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's it's bringing back a lot of a lot of the same people uh, from particularly Laura, but people that have worked together consistently. So I feel like that helps to give it more oomph i i think absolutely yeah I, I saw that also like dana andrews got his nose busted up in a fight during when they were like staging a fight in the film mm -hmm. and that delayed production so that's a good time yeah he really went for it authenticity and then i saw lee j cobb also was uh suspended by the studio for refusing a role in the picture <laughs> <laughs> when they first tried to make it in uh 1949 so wow who needs him though we did good we did good before we got 
he needed to save himself up for the uh the 70s uh double indemnity TV exactly movie. i was about to say the 70s in general but yes that that too <laughs> <laughs> he should have just done a 70s tv movie of this you know come on back yeah we could defake it we have we could take uh his face from double indemnity and put it on that <laughs> Even get the actress to, to play uh, Gene Tierney in this. Oh, man. That would be glorious. <laughs> if someone even just wants to draw that for us, that'd be Yeah, great. sure. Yeah, that would, if that would you be could dream too. it. Don't AI it, though. We refuse any no. of that. This no is an analog podcast over here. You do your own for, dirty work. For sure. But we don't do our own dirty work. <laughs> nope. We'd be a fool to do that dirty work. I was waiting there. for that one. I was. Someone had to do it. Hopefully people were even screaming it before I did. Um, <laughs> anything else to wrap up this fine, fine movie, though? Um, no. Yeah, I think we've kind of touched on everything. Yeah, I just, you know, it's a really, a really good one. Uh, I think it's just it's really, a rock really solid. solid. Yeah, I feel like you could throw this on for a stranger and, and not be too worried about it. Yeah, it, it's, it's very hard boiled. It's very like, I mean, like you it get, moves too. Yeah. like you're never bored or at any point. And just it just has a real rapid fire dialogue. That's just a lot of fun. and. It's yeah. just great set pieces. Just the whole thing. It's it's very enjoyable. Yeah. Glad we got here. I'm glad we waited too, you know, because the time was right. You gotta yeah, gotta do, so. gotta do it at the right time. And that could be true next week too, Dan. Hmm. You know, we're gonna do a little detective work ourselves and find out what's so strange about the strange love of Martha Ivers. Ooh. We're, we're gonna be talking to a lot of old friends, maybe with an old friend, Dan. And Ooh. Friends is the theme, I guess, of this, this yeah. movie, which I have not seen. Dan has, and mm. maybe an old friend has. I should hope. Hope they're coming in prepared. Yes. I think I, we could. It's already been spoiled in past episodes. I think even so. Yeah. Uh, but that is something to look forward to. You know, it also is something to look forward to. You know, when you open up your email and you, you're looking at the inbox and you see you got one, that's a good time, right? How could someone give us that feeling, Dan? They can email us at the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. What about, um, hey, you know, you got Instagram and you've been holding off on, on following us. Where would they go to do that? We would love to see a, a fresh follow. That's at out of the podcast. Yes. A-T. <laughs> yes. Out of the podcast. A-T. Yep. No, no. It's just out of the podcast. Can't joke with the handles, Dan. Although we can with our Twitter handle <laughs> because that has some, uh, some hijinks involved. What is it, Dan? That is out of the cast. See? Tricky, right? Yeah. We got you there. Keep on your toes. <laughs> the only reason we did it, too, is just to <laughs> scr- just be to screwy. Be, yeah, yeah, and have different things for everything. Exactly. The lads like to prank you subtly every now and then. Mm-hmm. Dan, I want to rate, review, and subscribe to something. Where would I even go to do something like that? I think anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. That's pretty good, because I listen to, like, podcast on three services do you really interesting yeah like uh, to have variety huh pod Podnet, uh <laughs> castathon are these real or are you just making these up and uh microphone in <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a third <laughs> one i i listen but the l is capitalized oh. yeah cool you should check them out. I will. Or Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify. Stitcher is one. Uh, yeah. Fucking iHeartRadio, I think. One. Deezer. Deezer. Are we, on, are we on Deezer? Do we know if we're on Deezer yet? Have we looked that up? 
I think we have <laughs> made the assumption that Deezer probably doesn't do podcasts. I think they're just music. Yeah, but to whom I don't know. It's got to be know. like not an American thing, right? Like it must be some country keeping Deezer intact. I'm gonna look. This is a perfect way to wrap up this episode. It is. So it I is. A, it's a happened. French online music streaming service. Oh, interesting. It's, it's it's headquarters is in Paris. Very interesting. There you go. So it's just not our thing, but we're making sure our stuff is available in France, not podcast wise, but we are available in France, just possibly not on Deezer. I don't know. Yeah. We'll look into Deezer. All right. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by the name. I think. Force in my hand. It's a great name. I mean, yeah. you know, it reminds you of Weezer and Geezer and. Cheezer. Pleaser. Pleaser. Yeah, yeah. All the good stuff. What's that, Dan? <laughs> Wrap it up. All right, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Ten four. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to add in general? No, not uh, not for anyone else's ears, I guess. Okay. But yeah, just thanks again for joining us as always. It's always good to watch a movie with everybody around the campfire and around the world. Maybe we'll put on a sweater and pick up our passport and maybe even something to drink to say, hey. Here's the crown. Here's the crown. Ding.